0: Listening to real conversations and the brightest marketing minds with Jonathan Weiner and Chuck Austin. This, this is, is Marketing, marketing
1: Unscripted.
0: Unscripted. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Today's guest is Mark Conahan, head of Creative Americas for Alexander Mann Solutions. Mark, welcome. Thank, thanks. thanks. Thanks for, for coming me. on today. Thanks really for inviting appreciate it. me. Absolutely. I know the, uh, the, the pre- mic check went really well. So we probably have nothing more. to It was a lot of fun. That's the whole show. I think I that that was all the gas in my tank. So (laughs) awesome. Awesome. So for the listeners out there, talk a little bit about your background uh, with agency experience marketing, and uh, maybe what you're doing today, if you want to focus on that.
1: Sure. So my experience has been in the advertising agency world. Uh, I've been really lucky to work in small to mid-sized agencies, uh, first in Portland and then now here in Charlotte. And uh, what I like about the smaller ad agency as opposed to the bigger version in New York or Chicago or, you know, something within the holding company realm is that uh, you get to you just the proximity to everybody else in the agency. You're not really channeled into something that's narrow, um, too much of an expertise. People need everybody to just kind of pick something up and run with it. And, uh, in that process you get to learn a lot. And so, and also working directly with other people in other roles, you get to learn a lot, a lot faster. So I think one of my mainstay bits of advice for people going into the business is to, um, not discount smaller agencies because they can really ramp up their learning, ramp up their role pretty quickly. And uh, and also proximity to the client.
0: Go back a little bit, though, from the maybe not the very beginning, but what drove you to to looking at advertising?
1: Yeah, I think I've always been. I was pretty a pretty directionless kid. My only direction was to uh, race my bike and skateboard, pretty much play my guitar, and then. Uh, but I was always kind of a creative kid, and uh, I think even in high school, um, I had some an art teacher, say, you know, look at my work and say, oh, you, you ought to consider graphic design. And so, uh, obviously, it's, it's funny how influential teachers can be, um, which underscores the importance of teachers who are really engaged. Um, and so I think between my parents, my friends, a teacher here and there, recognizing those creative skills, I think when you're a creative in your youth... You tend to know it because people lean on you for, do a band poster, do a t-shirt, that sort of thing. And so you kind of organically get into that. And so um, I was definitely in that space. Uh, It took me a while to get to school. Uh, When I did, I was really interested in business. So I didn't go to art school. I went to business school, um, which I'm glad I did. And so coming out of business school, I kind of merged those two things and had a great interest in sort of the... Ad agency uh, culture. I had gone around to the agencies in Portland, of which there are many really great ones, um, just to absorb and learn and talk to people and interview them while I was in school to try and understand the lay of the land and the people in the business. Um, and so I really set my sights on getting into an agency as an art director. And it took a while in Portland. It's hard to get that start, but it happened. Awesome.
2: So what's a day in a life for you at work? What is your daily role now?
1: Uh, it's a lot of coffee, <laughs> right? So there's that. Um, a lot of music, you know, a lot of these things that uh, make me keep, make me uh, comfortable and sort of in my zone, the, um, what I like to be in and just kind of have that vibe. Um, you know, I like being around people. I get, I get energy from that scene, so culture is important to me. Um, but as far as the, the routine, I think that I get up, uh, I immediately take a look at email and check messages, um, while I'm, uh, often before I'm ready for work, uh, just to make sure there's no, nothing on fire. Um, I like uh, checking in with people, Just um, I'm more of a phone call person uh, or an office visit person. Um, as opposed to doing everything on email. Um, There are a lot of tools that we use these days, like Slack and um, just text messaging to help that communication process, but I find that nothing is as good as just a face-to-face meeting just to cover a lot of ground quickly. Um, I'll check my calendar. I will think about what I need to get done throughout the day, do a little prioritizing, so, so,
2: but at your role, what is your exact role each and every day at Alexander Mann?
1: So, Alexander Mann, I am a creative director. So, this is a, a role that I've had for um, in various agencies for the last twelve years. And uh, so, as a creative director, you really have a lot of different duties, um, a lot of different roles that you can play um, along the spectrum of the work. Uh, it could be something in client relations, it could be something in business engagement or new business, um, participating in getting an, an RFP or a presentation together to chase a piece of business. Um, it's uh, a lot of reviewing work for me, it's a lot of leadership. I don't really it's not really my style to go in and redo work that I see. I, I like conversing about it. Um, staying high level and then working with people and watching them come up with their version of the solution. And uh, it's checking in with everybody across the agency spectrum to understand where I can help, um, where I can lift the work, whether that's a strategy or a brief or the creative work. So I'm really... It's kind of funny. It's um, You think director is the person that gets a lot of support, but I see that, I've felt that that's the person who is really looking to support various people in the organization. It was one thing that was interesting when I first (coughs) talked to you,
0: something you said earlier about, um, you you wanna be on the phone, you wanna meet face to face, is I was connected to you from a couple people I picked up the phone. I called you and you, sure. said, you took my call. Week, I think we had a 25 minute chat. Yeah. We had a good call, didn't we? Which was cool. I was like, this guy's cool. He's uh, he's, he's busy. Like we all are, but he, he, he recognizes something in the conversation and we built a relationship over some time and yeah, that you're here today. So I thought that was really cool. You didn't just blow me off whether you, you had your coffee that day or I said something that caused you to stay on the phone with me, but I was impressed by that. Um, and then we had lunch and now you got to see the studio. So that's pretty really cool. Um, Talk to, um, give me, give me some perspective as a, as a creative, uh, working in various agencies when you have to go outside, um, for different specialty marketing services, hence mm-hmm. video production photographers, uh, what have you producers that you need to hire. What are things that you've looked for in the past that you liked, uh, from those providers and, and give some tips out there for those that are approaching you mm-hmm. and want your business, what they shouldn't do.
1: Yeah. Well, first off, um I, I, I can sympathize with um the person or organization that wants to be a partner and is calling and emailing and over and over and because there's a there's a lack of accessibility even though we, we all have our really our computer in our pocket these days or on our watch, right? And uh, you'd think that accessibility would be at an all-time high, but it's not. It's really tough to get a hold of people and have that conversation. Um, what I've learned is that, uh, though I'm not perfect at this either, is that uh, you've really got to make an effort to accept those calls, have those conversations, um, just be frank if they're not going to work so that it doesn't waste someone else's time, or, nor yours, because if they keep emailing you and it's not a fit, you just just say that, right? It's not good for either of you. Um, but I find that in a smaller agency, uh, the business model today really favors finding good partners um, in st- instead of building a huge full-time staff with all sorts of disciplines. If you think about the media, the tactics that we have to serve for our clients, you would really need quite a good-sized agency even just to be a digital agency. And you can see that some of the digital agencies in this town have grown quite fast and quite large to accommodate their clients in every aspect of the digital realm given all those technologies and, and the the variety of media that is in that just in the digital space. So it's, it's a little unrealistic for an ad agency to, uh, I think, scope out to be able to fulfill everybody's needs. So those partnerships are really important. I've recognized that for a long time. And uh, I think what underscored it for me is that I moved here in 2004. I didn't know anybody. And um, I really depended on those finding people. Um, I guess to answer your question, for me, what makes that uh, connection uh Intriguing from the beginning is that I, I have to feel a sense, well, there has to be a need. That's kind of the basic thing. Um, and then once I make that connection, there's something in their notes or their call or what they say, that, that 30 seconds, that elevator pitch, that, um, that just connects with me. Maybe a little bit more on an emotional level also. Um, that, that tells me that, wow, we, we kind of see things in a similar way, or or maybe I'm challenged because we see things in different ways. Something catches my attention. I think it, uh, but it strikes a it strikes the chord of need, um, potential partnership and collaboration, a sense of chemistry. Not a very specific answer, but it's kind of an amalgamation of those things for me. Gotcha. So how, is, how
2: has digital really changed your business in the last 10 years? Has that really changed quite a bit how you work and, and, and how you reach potential clients or do work for clients?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, digital's uh, transformed the business uh, 100%. So it used to be a very – the ad agency model used to be actually pretty simple, uh, how it worked, how it made money. Um, it was very reliable. It was very profitable. And digital really upended that by um, exponentially expanding the, the media options that people had. It also um, upended things because now it wasn't agencies weren't dealing with one-way messaging um, where they were just working with an audience and trying to reach an audience to talk to. Well, now digital and social media have, obviously made it so that, you know, the audience talks back. And in fact, now the audience talks for your brand. And in fact, now they're they're brand ambassadors uh, in either a good or a bad way. And so um, having people who are expertise, who have expertise in that, those channels, all of those digital channels, um, who can create, use technology, the different technology formats to... Um, create content for those channels who understand those audiences and the user experience within those different channels, whether it's um, a social channel like Snapchat, or a, um, a type of technology like, like a web technology, like WordPress, a platform like that. So the number of Staff people, expertise that an agency has to have. This is why partnerships important, to bring people in to help you understand the lay of the land in areas that you that are not your core expertise.
2: Right. Because you have to be in more places than you ever have been before. And that just keeps increasing. It's like the universe expanding on a yeah. minute by minute basis. Right. So, you know, when you're when you're trying to do work for clients or when you're doing work for clients. Um, especially when you're looking at omni-channel type mm-hmm. of um, solutions, it, does that does the uh, the time uh, between the time that that client comes in to the time that this project's done is that a longer time period? Because there's a lot more to consider.
1: I don't know if it's longer. I know that we used to have more time to complete projects in the past and contracts tended to be longer because we're dealing with um, marketing plans that stretched out over let's say a year. Uh, a lot of times that's because that has uh, the feedback loop. You know, you would run a campaign for three months. You would look at Nielsen. You would look at the, the sales off of that campaign. You would course correct. You'd run another campaign or a, an adjustment to that for another three months um, it was easier in the past to do a, a year-long engagement with a client. Now those those contracts are still there. The the um, sort of annual planning is still there. Budgets are still there. But if you think about it, we have the tools now to adjust uh, our our content within a day. We have the data. We're watching it. It's in real time. And so I think that the the feedback loop and That combined with the technology to change and publish new content quickly and new advertising, new social media content, get a new ad up on YouTube or even out to the networks is very rapid. And so agencies have learned to be agile and marketing directors and authors of budgets have also learned that. We're not going to have a whole different mindset three months from now. Why do we want to do a year-long plan and commit this amount of money when we know things are going to change in three months, probably more drastically, and we can respond to it more accurately than we ever have before because we'll know more. So
2: where do you see the business going? You know, what's that thing? Is there this thing that's going to be out here in five or six years that we're looking at now that's really going to change the game again? Is it?
1: If I knew, we, we could go invest right now. Right, and right, right, right. We wouldn't have to work again. But I do think that obviously machine learning is going to generate tools that are going to be adopted by marketing and communications, and um, not just in a messaging sense, but in an experiential sense, which I think is sort of the, the, the current wave that we're in in branding. Where experience and corporate behavior mean more than, uh, not that design doesn't mean anything anymore, it does, uh, but it, they work in concert now. So it's the, the look and feel, the messages, how you look, and also how you behave.
2: Right, because you, we have virtual reality, <clears throat> augmented reality mm-hmm. has already begun they're even talking about websites are going to change. I'm, I'm trying to imagine a website that is somehow augmented, using some type of VR or AR without right. glasses on. Phones will change. It, it seems like agencies have to consistently stay, well, consistently retool and stay on top of the game in order to survive. Everything's changing. Uh, to change. serve their client.
1: Yeah, the game's changing so rapidly. Um, through, If you think about what, like what Facebook might do in the near future because of r- the pressures on them politically and what has happened recently, and so Zuckerberg was just talking about that up on the Hill defending his business, they may be looking for regulations, those regulations are definitely going to have impact, um, or, or their own actions, they will probably have some policy changes that definitely impact marketers. So, so you've yeah. got to be able to um, adjust to the next Google algorithm. You've got to be able to adjust to the next Facebook policy, and um, and really, it's just you have to be ready to evolve very quickly in the space that we're in these days. So,
0: it sounds like you either need to have a DeLorean so you can fast forward right. twenty years and know what's going on, or you have to be diverse in your in your offerings. You have to be playing in all the right spaces. You know, you yeah. can't just put you know invest. I think Volume. you have to
1: have you also have to have good partners that can come to you and say, "Look, we're seeing this on the horizon and here's what it means to you." So, I think back to your question earlier about what do potential partners need to build into their pitch to get attention to um some of it's the good old fear factor. "Hey, I know something you don't." And this is what agencies have used this for a long time. Digital agencies use it in particular. Because they actually do know a lot of things that their clients can't do, and so you know the smart client knows what they know and they know what they don't know, and so they come to you for all of that that they don't know, and so I think it's smart to, in your elevator pitch, to say, look, this is this is the position that we play on the field. You're not particularly good at this. We understand it. We have our eye on the future, so you're not going to be surprised by it. And just to play that part really well. Yeah, I want to talk
0: a little bit about creative. We've covered the business for a bit. Um, real important question here. What was
1: your favorite Super Bowl ad this year?
0: Oh, gosh. Um, I know you probably didn't watch the game much like I did.
1: You know, this is, this is one of the first years I really didn't get into it. <laughs> I was just not... It wasn't a good time for me to watch it that, that, that weekend, but... Um, uh, yeah, you're gonna stump me there. I like the Morgan Typically, Freeman one. The Morgan Freeman with his, the, that was amazing. I mean, he could voice over anything. He could voice over a funeral home and yeah, they would, it's amazing. It's crazy. Voice is incredibly important, yeah. and um, a lot of a lot of companies have discovered that using using the right voice is worth the money, worth the investment. Yeah, I mean, but usually yeah, they yeah. usually I have been watching those for the ads, and then commenting in real time on Twitter about the ads, right? (laughs) But uh, not this year, so.
2: What's the guy in Mad Men, you know, the the main character? John Hamm. Yeah, John Hamm. I think he does, like, five car commercials for five different companies, or they found the one, and, like, he did Mercedes, I think, first, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I hear him and others, or maybe they're just trying to get someone that sounds
0: exactly like I mean, him. And you got McConaughey mm-hmm. doing Buick. That was that, that one. Lincoln. Viral. Lincoln. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, Lincoln. You're yeah. right. I right. should know that we did a spoof on that one. Did you see that? Yeah, he's doing... No.
1: I'll send you spoof oh, okay. that spoof. Okay. It's great. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm glad you spoofed, yeah, I, I'm spoofed fascinated. I
0: spoofed a spoof, actually, for a second. So. They're really
1: high quality. I mean, they're really pretty good. The, yeah. Lincoln, the Lincoln work has been good. I mean, it's been... Honestly, it's... Um, I'm surprised it hasn't done more for that brand. I don't know from a business standpoint how Lincoln's doing, but the first, the first. I ad, know that I don't see a ton of them on the road. So Yeah, the
0: first ad was really they kind of they, they hit it and then it didn't. They it's a little surreal. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Maybe
1: it it's asks, better if you're go high out, or
2: why
0: something why like that. It don't asks don't you to it's go to a breeze. place. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Why do I why do I drive a Lincoln? You know, he's he just yeah. nails the you know. Anyway, right. so yeah, he's send, got a great voice. I'll send you that spoof because. <clears> um. I'm a big SNL fan. I did a workshop with uh, Alex Buono back. He was the DP uh, for the film unit. So any, any of the broadcasts you saw on SL during the commercial break, that was yeah. pre-shot. Uh, and that whole process is crazy. Did that? I'll tell you about it. He produced yeah, he produces most of those in the last 10 years, 12 years. What a job. And Jim Carrey. What a job to have. <laughs> Jim Carrey was the, this guy was on Twister too. He, he did work as a, some kind of producer on, on Twister. But um, he had Jim Carrey as the host that week. And Jim Carrey just nailed Matthew McConaughey on this on this um, Lincoln spot. And then really? we, we spoofed it. That's funny. We spoofed that because one of the actors I use can do a really good McConaughey, and we did it all in the talent acquisition space. So I'll send it to you. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was good. I was going to ask you, um, you know, back <clears throat> on the creative, um, these are things that bother me um, sometimes in, in the crew that we hire. They'll, they'll do a shot. You know, it's it's always time. It's budget. You got you mm-hmm. to get it in. You got to get it out. And you got to produce great work quickly. You got to have a process. You got to make sure the clients
1: you gotta aren't, have a process. aren't waiting
0: around. So I hear things like, oh, no, it's good. But, you know, we'll just fix it in post. And I'm like, no, let's get it right now. But having said that, you know, you've heard this in, in your world. Um, you, you don't want to just you know, do careless work or mm-hmm. poor work just to get it done and quick. You have to produce good work, but you have to be quick. So talk about the phrase, you know, good is done because as creatives, and I'm sure you have a ton of people in your art department over the years and designers that are really good, but they want to nitpick it for six months and you have to deliver when it's
1: done. When yeah. it's
0: good, it's done. You
1: can <clears throat> deliver it.
0: Talk about that concept.
1: Well, I I am sympathetic to that the last scenario that you just described. I think that um, iterations are good, exploring re-exploring is good. So I am the type of person who will keep going and someone usually says I think we're I think we're there. I'm not great at saying I think we're there. I'm great at saying I think we have something. And um but I think that it's not my strongest thing to necessarily say, this can't, this can't be better. It's as good as it can possibly be. Or that, hey, there are no possible better ideas out there. Um, I have frustrated some people that I've worked with before, um, designers who I've said, here's a, here's a technique that works really well and it will work well for your brain is to like you've got this done. You've got this first or second round done, and it's looking really good. And if you have time, start over. That sounds crazy. But when you start, when you start over something uh, from a, whether it's a, um, a creative brief, imagine this. You pick up the old creative brief from the old campaign, and you just kind of delete some things and update it a little bit. Is it really going to challenge your brain to rethink things? It's not, it's not. You're going to be, it's kind of the efficient way out. It's the way to get a brief done quickly and move it on. And it's very workflow friendly. Yeah. But try starting it from scratch. Your brain's going to try and remember who is that audience. And you might articulate it in a little better way because you've learned something since you wrote the last brief. With creative, I think it's the same way. I think our brains just, we want to commit to the work that we're doing. And we want to finish it. We're compelled to finish it and move it on. But your brain has other ideas if you give it a chance, if you have the time, if you have the budget. So that's a lot of ifs. But if the stars align, I don't know. Um, We just went through this yesterday. The creative team got to a great place on a campaign because we just kept going. And we were under a deadline. But these guys work fast and they work work well together. And so they got to a really good place. Yeah. Today, the client's a lot more satisfied than they were yesterday. So yeah,
0: that's a good point. I,
1: and I think so are we. Yeah. I, I think,
0: um, depending on where you're at in your career and who your team is, the, the concept of, and you look at the finished work, look at the, look at the work that aired, look at the work in the portfolio. But, um, there's times where I've experienced with people that the work it's at that point, yeah, because you, you, you're so you're so uh, invested in the project, you want to nitpick it to death and and not to say
1: that it can't be better. Nobody again, ju- that, that, nobody judges you on your process. Six months from now, right. you're judged by the work that actually gets published, that's how, that you actually delivered. That gets it a also return, depends yeah. on. Yeah, mm-hmm. that gets a return. It also depends on what the work is. So I'm I'm also a big advocate of uh, a very highly responsive, agile team. That works fairly independently in the social media space, even with, with video, with photography, with animation, uh, without a lot of high-level mucking around. Right. You know, Periodic guidance, um, some oversight and accountability. Otherwise, you know, get a team that really knows the client well, knows their voice, sure. understands the audience, and let them just rev out a lot of content. And that can be magic when it's working. But if you stick a creative director in there, that overthinks the process. I guarantee you that team's going to be stuck in the mud and not really generating the amount of ideas or communication or responsiveness that they need to be successful. So it also it also depends on what you're doing. Sure.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, <clears throat> great point, actually, because um, I'm I'm dealt with this the last few weeks we've met with some agency heads, and and uh, they're like, I'm so glad we're talking to you because you know we've been working with this production house for a couple of years, and they. Every project they say they'll have it to me uh, on this date, and then two, three, four weeks go by, and they're just not they're not delivering they're not They're not meeting their end of the of the budget or the timeline so i that's frustrating because um you know time is money, and if you can't mm-hmm. deliver if you're hired to produce and you can't deliver it in the timeline, especially if it's time sensitive ad campaign, I mean you might as well not even get started in it right. Well, Mark, I think that's all the time we have today. I really appreciate you coming in and checking out the studio. That went quickly. That went quickly. Any, um, any last uh, just advice for, for the next generation trying to become you? Oh, gosh.
1: Uh, yeah, don't become me. <laughs> become yourself. You have 60 seconds and go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, don't become me or anybody else really just try and become yourself. And I know that seems uh, fairly prosaic and, uh, kind of out there, but it's, uh, it really is true. Once you, once you find, um, yourself in terms of, uh, what you want to be doing every day, type of people you want to work with, um, what you want to be creating, you know, what your goals are short and long term, but also don't be in that quest, uh, afraid to try a lot of different things. If you're on the creative side, I know it feels like you could get pigeonholed in one type of agency. Uh, don't be afraid to try different things, different agencies, different businesses, in-house agency, freelance, just to, in the, in an effort to really find out who you are and what you like, because you never know. And, uh, also you'll meet a lot of a good diversity of people that will help you along the way, uh, for those people who are older and have a lot of advice to give. I, I would say provide that leadership, provide that mentorship. Um, young people these days have it pretty difficult. They they don't have access. They can't just show up with a portfolio. Um, they can't just call people. So it's really tough to get, get a foot in the door. So I think that we need to, um, as, as people in the business, we need to help build a bridge to schools, to people who are in the early career stage, to identify opportunities.
0: Best way for uh, someone to contact
1: you? My personal email is mark at and, uh, and I'm very available on LinkedIn. So um, hit me up there and start a conversation.